0: Welcome to the 90's Club Footy Podcast. This week on episode 24 of the podcast, we chat with former Fitzroy and Richmond midfielder Paul Broderick. Paul, who began his VFL-AFL journey in 1988, played six seasons with the Fitzroy Lions before moving to Richmond where he spent a further eight years. Paul played a total of 262 games and kicked 170 goals as well as winning the 1996 Richmond Best and Fairest Award. In this episode, Paul talks about his early years with Fitzroy, the reasons behind his trade to Richmond, the Tigers' 1995 finals campaign, the regular changing of coaches, his toughest midfield opponents, and his thoughts on some of the favourite sons of the Lions and Tigers. So, sit back, relax and enjoy my chat with Paul Broderick. Paul Broderick, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. I'm really looking forward to catching up with and, and having a chat with you, mate.
1: No worries, really. Yeah, we're glad to be here.
0: And obviously a former camper down, mate. So you uh, come from my neck of the woods down in Warrnambool, so you're a camper down, 45 minutes away. It's always good to reconnect with uh, the Southwest guys especially.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, mum and dad are still down in Camperdown and my wife, Charlene's parents are in Camperdown as well. So we we get back sort of the main breaks over Chrissy and Easter periods. Um, but, yeah, it's always good to get back there and, uh, yeah, see the old mountain there in the background. And uh, I used to be able to run up a hilly, but those days are gone, I think. Uh, so maybe a <laughs>
0: slow walk
1: might be applicable
0: now. <laughs> Do you still keep a keen eye on the Camperdown Magpies fortunes? Mate, obviously, you know, that was your starting, your starting point there. Yeah, definitely. I
1: just sort of every now and then scroll through to see how they're traveling and, and the ladder situation. Um, sort of when I check in with dad and that, he'll just uh, he'll pop up sometimes and have a look at the local footy and I just ask how they're traveling at this stage. And you know, um, a couple of little talented blokes coming through, or um, they got hit last year, I think, or the last couple of years with the COVID. Um, unfortunately, I had a few Melbourne blokes or Geelong blokes coming down and. Um, they couldn't quite retain them because of the restrictions and that. So they
0: buggered them up for a little while. So, Uh, Great football club though, the Campingale Magpies. Hey, mate, before we start talking about your VFL, AFL journey, obviously with Mm -hmm. Fitzroy and the Tigers, uh, what are you doing with yourself post-footy?
1: So I've been working the last sort of 17 years with a group called AFL Sports Ready. So we do effectively traineeship and apprenticeship models, Um, probably more traineeships a 12-month structure. So... A bit like West Vic down in Warrnambool, there, um, you know, you've got a few of the crew there who do training, ship, and apprenticeship models around the region. Um, so we try and link young people with employers to take them on for 12 months and uh, they, they get the practical
0: work and then they also complete a formal qualification over that period of time. So, so is there much of a connection, obviously, with it being called AFL Sports Ready, that you have with the clubs, with these younger guys, um, you know, I guess looking at their post footy as well?
1: Yeah, there is. So we we were set up originally probably back in '94. We started. Um, Kevin Sheedy had this brainchild of, you know, at that stage, footy wasn't the professional model it is today, and the money wasn't there. So, blokes as they finished their career through injury or or getting delisted, some didn't have a real pathway beyond that. So, Sports Ready was created to try and help that transition um, post their football, and then supported that probably model for a while as the guys came into a traineeship model potentially or or trying to link them to employers post their career and then slowly the AFL got more and more professional and the money associated with it did so probably they didn't really look at our model then. Um, and now we're just offering it to young, you know, young people
0: coming into the program to get a, a bit of a foot in the door in a sports related environment, I suppose. Yeah, fantastic. No, I love it. Hey, mate, let's talk some footy. Your VFL, mm-hmm. AFL journey started with the Lions, Fitzroy in 1988, obviously coming from uh, the Camperdown region. How did your career start? know, how did you make your way to the Lions? Was it the old zoning that was still in place at that stage?
1: Yeah, it was, Ellie. So um, I actually got signed up the year before by Fitzroy, and I was doing year 12 in Camperdown, and um, they came down and sort of met mum and dad and... Uh, Got me to sign a contract then, which was a you know huge amount at the time of a couple of grand or something, and uh, then basically I stayed, came down, played the year there, and did schooling, and then the year after realized I had to get down there then um, to probably just get my footy to keep developing at the next level. Um, so I went down in '88, and um, yeah, sort of under David Parker was my first year experience with Paco and. Uh, Yeah, it was a a big, you know, it was a big transition just moving from a country boy to Melbourne and uh, I I went back every weekend pretty much because Charlene, my wife, was a girlfriend at the time down there and mum and dad and the family and and the mates from the local connections. So you'd go back as as much as I physically could. Um, So it probably took me a couple of years to sort of feel a bit more settled in Melbourne um, because it was just that strong pull to get back to the region uh, every weekend.
0: What are your early recollections of of playing with the Lions? Obviously, we know Fitzroy, um, you know, I guess early to mid-80s were really, you know, playing finals footy regularly, you know, played deep in the final series. And I guess um, later on in that decade, you know, the finals were probably drying out a little bit and maybe during your time, I don't know whether you got to play it in those early couple of seasons. But what were your early recollections of of lining up with, you know, Fitzroy, which a lot of us forget, was one of the original footy teams that played in the, uh, the VFL in the eighteen nineties?
1: Yeah, um, so probably when I went there, they just finished. I think in eighty six they might have been close to finals or played finals, um, and then eighty eight when I went down, they were sort of starting to come out of that really successful era they'd had a few years in a row. Um, still had some terrific players like Rusey and Gary Purd and Aussie and um, you know, Matty Rendell and Leon Harris, a local more like bloke. Um, so. Rossi Thornton, ex-Campingham bloke. So they had some really good quality individuals, and uh, but they just couldn't quite. We were finishing ninth or tenth a lot of the time. Um, and then slowly as the years rolled on there from 88 through to 93 when I played there, um, each year was getting harder and harder with financial constraints. And, um, you know, probably we stayed fat for a while as a group. And then slowly, you know, Lynchy was probably the first one, to really he was the really high. Paul Ruse then becoming effectively. Um, so your high profile player, Marquee player. Lynchy made the call that he'd go to Brisbane and, and you know, that multi million dollar contract type of thing at the time. Um I then left. Um and, and slowly that that started a bit of momentum that players were probably thinking there's there's probably not much time left in the model at Fitzroy. Um and they held on to ninety six and then unfortunately they um they finished up. We actually played them in their last. Richmond played them in their last Melbourne game, the MCG, um, and a week later they went to Frio and played over there in their last actual official game. So it was pretty emotional that game. Like we 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 um, after the game, the actual Richmond faithful stopped and sang the Fitzroy theme song. So it was it was a significant moment because uh, you know amazing history as one of the first clubs ever to start had suddenly gone. Um, so it really hit everyone. I think that moment. Um, so I, was, I had mixed emotions because I, you know, obviously gave me the opportunity to start my career and, and to see them come to an end and me playing against them in one of the last games was, yeah, it was mixed emotions at the time. So,
0: When I look at back at the teams in the 90s and you know, like we speak about the financial constraints and I guess the home ground, um, you know, dilemmas and so forth, but... Your playing list still had some really good names in there. Like, as you said, you said, uh, you know, Alistair Lynch, who, you know, could play either forward or down back. Paul Ruse was an absolute superstar. Richard Osborne was a great forward. You had the great Doc Wilden, who was just uncanny and could do many so, so many great things. Jimmy Wine was a great midfielder yourself. Maddie Armstrong. Do you look back now and think that maybe with the list that you had, that – Uh, you might have underachieved a little bit, I don't know, or is it where you sort of thought the the club was, you know, despite the list that you had in that sort of early 90s period?
1: Yeah, I think we probably, if you look at the cattle we had, we probably underachieved, but I think the problem was just the vulnerable environment as a whole. So, yeah. You sort of see clubs now when it it's stable and, um, you know, like Richmond in the recent era and your Brisbane's and your Geelong's have had a long history now, but um, West Coast when they dominated a couple of years in Sydney. It's not just the personnel, it's the whole dynamic. So it's, it's the whole thing has to come together as one and that's where that successful repeat year after year can occur and you build your building blocks established. And um, we, we were up and down like a yo-yo, you know, we'd have some... Our cattle could stay strong because we kept injury-free at times, so that got us a bit of momentum and we won some games. As soon as you lose one or two, you sort of start to get a bit into your tail end, and we, we may not have played as well at times. Um, like, people forget too. Like, uh, Fitzroy alone, I had four coaches in in – four coaches, yeah. So, Parco, Shorey, um, Rod Austin um, – no, three coaches in – basically four years, five years. So it, it, that's another element to the mix. Like you can't, um, people are trying to reinvent themselves every time to get a new coach in because Parco might like certain things I do, but he may not like other things I do. So Shorey, same. I might have been on the outer with Shory, but in with Parko. So, and that's the whole playing group, unless you're Roozie and the others who are sort of established players. But me as a younger bloke, it's quite challenging to try and put yourself in front of them each year after year to, try and get that opportunity um, along with Doc Wildens and, you know, us younger group who came through at the time. Um, yeah, it, it's really difficult. And that that instability just just um, can't get the consistent approach you want to in the models. so it's very challenging.
0: I interviewed your uh, ex-coach Robert Shaw there a couple of podcasts ago and he said, uh, you know, and exactly what you were saying, like, um, you know, resources were really hard to come by. Um, obviously with the financial issues, but, you know, your best footy was really, really good. And mm. there was a real still, even though that you probably didn't get as many wins as that you would have liked as a playing group, there still was a, a pretty strong resolve despite everything going off, off field. Um, and, you know, and one of the games we spoke about was that uh, last round against West Coast in 1991, where, you know, they finished on, well, on top of the ladder and you, you guys beat him in the last week of the uh, the home and away season. So, I guess, you know, you knew you, uh, the question is, I guess your best was pretty good when you guys were up and playing. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know,
1: whether the West Coast would we'll put the coat in the rack that last game and, and sort of, but look, they certainly had their best cattle out there that game and, and we did match them. And, um, and look, we had that ability at times to push the top end tier of the competition, but then we, you know, a game we should win, we'd, we'd lose it by a goal or something or two kicks and um, we'd walk away frustrated that we, Sort of wasted that opportunity. Um, but definitely, I'm very sure our yeah, best was pretty good. Um, but unfortunately, we had also the, the worst sometimes would creep in, and um, we just couldn't get that balance that you know, need consistency through a year and not have that big drop off either, either spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, he's, he's right.
0: At the end of nineteen ninety three, Brothers, you were traded in a mega deal to Richmond. Um, obviously, you know Michael Gale went to the Tigers with you, and I think in return Jeff Hogg, and there might have been a couple of others. Matty Dundas might have been involved in that deal as well. How did this come about? Were you open to going to a new home? Were you, you know, did this come from you? Was there, um, you know, murmurs from Richmond that they wanted you to come over to try and, I guess, reinvent their list a little bit as well? How did it all you know, transpire? Yeah,
1: um, it. Early days, um, I had uh, look Richmond had sniffed a little while before at times, but at that stage I was definitely secure with Fitzroy, and um, it wasn't wasn't an interest. So just sort of the ducks aligned that look Lynchy was going, I knew that Um, we were good mates at the time, so I knew that was in the mix. Um, Richmond had inquired again about whether, and I was coming, um, you know, they were looking at. Basically, it was meant to be me and Craig Lambert were meant to be a straight swap at the time, um, so similar midfield types that we would uh, – um, and then Butchie, Gale, uh, Maddie Dundas and um, it ended up Jamie Elliott. The other one was meant to be a Hoggy swap, so three for Hoggy, me for um, Lambie. So that was meant to be an original deal. And then Lambie told him to get stuff basically just before the, the cut-off period. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd said I'd go at that point because I'd I'd made the decision that I think I need to, you know, move to another environment. And look, at that time, Richmond Richmond were no stronger than Fitzroy. Uh, In fact, maybe even worse off. Um, But it it gave me... I was going purely because it gave me security. Richmond weren't going to fold. They weren't going to be coming out of the competition. They were too big a club to ever um, for that to happen. Um, So... But in the end... Uh, Lambie yeah, said no, and then they said, Well, we've got Brothers, you know, he's coming. So Richmond dug in deep and said to Fitzroy, We want him, and you're only going to get Jeff Hogg for Brothers, Michael Gale, and uh, and Matty Dundas for the three swaps in the end. And then Jamie Jamie Elliott also came a fraction later in the model, but um, so it was bizarre. Hoggy, you know, um, had a bad back at that point, he was sort of towards the back end of his career. um, had a couple more years left in him, but he was slowly; his body just wouldn't let him do what he wanted to do. So, yep. in the end, I went as part of the the deal with Butchie and uh, and uh, Dundas. So, uh, yeah, bizarre how it ended up. But um, really, I, they could have called my bluff if Fitzroy had a said, "Sorry, you're not going, mate," because Lambie's pulled the pin. Yep. I couldn't have gone because they had to they had to release me effectively at that point. I couldn't. It wasn't like today where you're coming out of contract and you can sort of shop around a bit maybe yeah, or clubs yeah. can sort of get you. Um, I had actually, they had actually released me, which they did in the end. So, yeah, well, that, um, was, that was good. Yeah, well, it was good for me, I suppose, because, um, you know, I, I was able to get to that environment and sort of just then establish myself in a way I went. But uh, hard for Fitzroy Faithful because, um, you know, suddenly they'd lost a you know a key marquee player plus a couple of up-and-comers coming through that yeah. um, we got hopefully going to be another five or six years with them. Um, certainly have gone out of their world. So they were pretty, a lot of people were pretty, you know, annoyed probably and frustrated with me at the time. Um, and rightly so, you know, because you're, you're leaving a club that's, you know, really starting to come to the end of their tether. So it's, it's really difficult.
0: The shock of the last-minute swap deals today saw Richmond captain and star forward Jeff Hogg become a Fitzroy player. But the Lions paid a premium, going to Punt Road, Paul Broderick, Michael Gale and Matthew Dundas. You spoke about the Tigers, probably not travelling as well as you know Fitzroy just before. When you arrived there and, and some of the names that you uh, you know, were lining up with you know, for the season next, did you feel that the Tigers were maybe at the start of something? Like there was a younger crew coming through.
1: Yeah, not, not – um, it was a bit of a – they'd gone around and um, sort of brought in a couple of young South Australians. There was Jamie Tate, um, Matty, Matty Rogers. Um, yep. So uh, then you had um, Michael Gale and myself sort of come in, who had sort of started to get established, and Butchie was a bit older than me, so he was a more regular player. But um, Greg Deere came across from Hawthorne. Um, uh, Mark Neal came up from Geelong. So they sort of, and then they had some younger talent, Wayne Campbell, uh, Richo was starting to come through, Matty Knights. Um, now Benny Gale himself was starting to become a more established player. Tony Free was skipper at the time. Um, so we had a Stuart Maxfield, um, Ashley Prescott. So there was a number of good players starting to sort of, I suppose, five or six years underneath them or three or four and, and yep. getting hard pre-seasons under your belt. And I don't know, the nucleus just... We sort of just bonded as a group and, um, you know, we had John Naughty as coach at that time. Um, so Swoop was, yeah, you know, that was 94. We, we made finals in 95, um, which probably people thought, how the hell did that happen? Because when you looked at us as a group, you didn't necessarily, we weren't household names as a group. Um, there was certainly more other teams that are high quality name players playing in their mix, but, Swoop was able to get us to just play as a team and, and play for each other. And and there was some, it, we went to war a lot, um, was the strategy. Um, you know, it was us against them. And, and But it seemed to work for us as a group. And um, we just, we never, we never, we had a lot of games. We won by a kick or two kicks where we would, you know, mum and dad used to say that they'd be watching and mum would go, oh, they bugger today. And dad would go, hang on, just hang in there. And sure enough, we found a way. It was just something special about that group. Yeah, that we never gave in, and and we did we did get over the line a number of times. That just that that just built more confidence because you go, well, we're still in this, you know. Even ten minutes to go and you're two goals down, you still felt we could get there, yep. um, and, and we did more times than not. So uh, yeah, it was, it just, and it just grew from there. Probably that, that was
0: a pretty good couple of years. Um, yeah, it's, that, that, that that 95 season especially, like you know, as you said, there's probably a little bit of. Um, Underratedness in regards to that side because I look at your group, you know, uh, you know I'm a Geelong man. And I remember playing you guys in the in the pre- prelim final, yeah. And I still look at your side and I think what a, what a midfield: Broderick, Campbell, Knights, Bond, Maxfield. You know, that's that's as good as you'll get. And you know, like um, I reckon it was a, a great group. And obviously, you know, you had some good forwards: Richo and and Gale, and a really stand back line. So. You know, for, I guess there's no surprise for me that, you know, looking at that list that, you know, you guys were capable of good things that season.
1: Yeah, we were. We, and we had a good blend. Like, you know, Nashi up for Chris Nashi, very clever, small forward. He probably averaged two goals a game, which is pretty, pretty high um, outcome from a permanent forward. Nick Daffy was coming through, um, you know, a really good talented young player, um, you know, and 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 that group of Maxfield, Bondy's a hard nut. Like, you know, he never gives in and, and freezes the same, you know, um. Tony Free was a very good leader. As far as um, you know, he you knew he'd stand up for you, and you knew you had his back, or he had your back. Um, so, he, some of those blokes make you stand taller at times. Um, it's just the little things they do that can help a younger bloke coming into the group really feel comfortable and play their best footy. Um, and we had some speed through the group. You know, we had a good blend. Um, we had some inside players and outside, and yeah, we unfortunately, you know, then Swoop left at the end of '95. Um, it was a bit of turmoil in the i don't know what the hell went on we really don't know today what what happened there but it was sort of a it's, it's unfortunate because we don't know how far we could have gone as a group we sort of got to that prelim geelong smashed us which was right they were a better team than us that year but you put another 12 months on us as a group and and we all mature again and we bring a few new blood into the group um could we have got to that next level again? Maybe. Could we have got to the big dance? We'll never know because the following year it just unfortunately fell apart again.
0: So Was that due to just change of coach and obviously, you know, Wolsey coming in and, and maybe having a different opinion of where players best play their footy and so forth. Like you were sort of saying before about Fitch Roy, you know, where a certain coach might have ideas about how you play brothers, but then a yeah. new one comes in and then, you know, their opinions a little bit differ, like, because um, I was going to say the next question was, like, 2001 was the next time you played finals. Do you attribute that to maybe just the um, the coaching? And obviously, you know, after uh, Wallsie come in, he was only there for a couple of seasons, then the Geish come in after that. Was just, was that. Did that unsettle the group a little bit, maybe unsettle the momentum?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, definitely from John, you know, we we, we were just one, one game away from knocking the Cats off and being in a grand final. So to suddenly have a change of key personnel, which is a coach, it unstabilises the group because, as I said, if we had had him another year, we don't know. We might have got close again or we may not have. We, but we really didn't have a chance to know how good the group were actually at. Um, Wallsie comes in, trippy coach Wallsie in his own right. But, um, again, that instant – because blokes had to prove themselves now to a new bloke who who has different style of play, different opinions about individuals. Some some have felt more secure than others with Wallsie coming in um, – his approach to it was different to swoopers. So um, blokes had to try and find where that fitted before them individually and collectively. So there's no fault of Wallsies or that he, But gained just through that natural change. It creates instability in your environment. Um, and we lost a bit of momentum, unfortunately, at that point. Um, you know, Richmond, I, I had seven coaches in 14 years. So basically every two years, I had a new coach coming into the world. So Richmond, you had swoop. Wolsey, Geish, and then Spud. So I, don't, I think we underestimate how challenging that can be when you look at some of the clubs now, Damien Harwick, who, you know, Richmond were going to get rid of him there, maybe at some stage they stuck fat with him. Um, and here we are, historically, another you know, X amount of years down the track, they've had a great era in the last four or five years. So some crucial decisions can be made at different times. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, that, creates a lot of instability when your coach comes in and out. And it's not just your coach, it's your personnel assistants. He might bring in new doctors, he might bring in new physios. Um, so the, the whole environment creates this anxiety of where the hell, do, you know, you've got people in, who are running your football program and suddenly the um, new coach comes in, I might be out of here in two yeah. weeks' time. Um, so all that creates yeah, turmoil within the world. It's really difficult.
0: No, it's nice to see the Tigers, you know, have a bit of stability now. And as you said, um, you yeah, know, I think that's been the key, you know, with mm. Benny Gale, Peggy O'Neill at the top, and then you've got Dimmer who's um, done a great job in the uh, the coaching side of it. Um, you know, I think that's why Richmond have been so so successful is obviously that stability at each level of the organisation. Yeah, and that's a
1: crew. Crit- you know, you've got people like Barmy in the background too, like yep. you know, there's, there's, there's it's unique how this team becomes such a strong outfit but there's little there's little roles people have played um their medical team are really strong their fitness guys are strong and, and combine it all with peggy and benny and the rest and they've got some talent um and they've got a good system which worked um and yeah it just it takes all that to gel together though to become that premiership side like melbourne this year you know it's been a fantastic effort by them and their supporters, that experience has been terrific for him. Um, but it takes it takes it all to come one, effectively. Um, so, yeah.
0: Hey, brothers, I want to ask you, throughout the 90s, you were a very durable player. Like, looking at your your yearly stats and how many games and stuff you played, like, there wasn't many games that you missed. You know, was there a bit of a secret on how you prepared or, or recovered with a game? Um, yeah, look,
1: I, Look. Shorey hit me up there probably you know, within my third year or fourth year or third year coming into the lines, um, he said, look, your your talent's there, but I lacked endurance. Like, my fitness wasn't to the level, and that's because I just didn't have the tank that some of the other blokes naturally had. So he put it on me, basically, and, look, at the time i thought he was a prick, you know, telling me that, um, but what, it, what, but he was spot on. What, what, it, what it made me do was review my own model to say, well, right, I need to get stronger in this area of my game. It's not my kicking and my handball. that's going to let me down. It's this side of it. So, and I was lucky that I had Jimmy Whedon, who took me under his wing. So, you know, he was, he, he ended up being a big buddy or a mentor for me. And, and Jimmy would, Jimmy would also run before training at times. So he said, brothers, you're coming with me. And, um, he took me under his wing and 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 slowly bit by bit I got fitter and I got mentally tougher and um, and he knew when I was hurt and the mongrel would sit in front of me and then he could hear my breathing and he'd just step it up a notch um, to push me to push me harder and then bit by bit I was able to get stronger and yeah fitter so um, I owe a lot to him as um, taking you know because some blokes it gets very selfish sometimes where you look after your own backyard but You know, credit to him. He took me under his wing as a younger bloke and helped me. So, yeah, it was good. Now here's Broderick, hard against the line. Only three players in the AFL have had more possessions than Broderick this season.
0: And normally a very straight kick. This will test him. The nineties, we speak about the big forwards and the full back tussles, you know, the Outlets and Dunstalls and Lockets and Richardson's and Longmires and Carries and all that. But I tell you, what, it was a great era of midfielders as well, Broders. Like I look at yourself and the guys you would have had to come up head to head each week. And I know um, you know the midfield roles changed a lot from nineties to now. But these are some names I was just thinking off the top of my head last night that you might have had to come up against: Greg Williams, uh, Paul Kelly, Buddha Hocking, Paul Couch, Dean Kemp, Nathan Buckley. Robert Harvey, um, was there any one of those guys or someone else that you always seem to have a really good tussle with?
1: Yeah, probably Diesel was my um, – so, you know, Greg Williams. And I. early days I'd, I'd be t- designated to tag him, I suppose, or run with him. Um, and then probably as I got more um, established, I suppose, I started to go head-to-head with him a bit more and be more confident that I could actually – you know, hold my own against Diesel. Like, he was an amazing player, a great sentiment, and you know, beautiful handballer and kick both feet. So he was, he was the premier one. I'd I'd try and, if I could, have a crack at him. I'd, I'd, it was a great challenge for me. So, um so uh, yeah, you had to be careful with him too because Diesel would throw the throw a slow one here and there. So you were on it. You were just making sure <laughs> you had that under control as well. But um, you know, butter hockey like uh, you know butter he's a funny Buddha whack me um, when you're on the ground and, and then he put his hand out and go, oh, here you go, mate. Sorry about that. I didn't help you up. And I thought, oh yeah, he's a good fellow. <laughs> and it happened again. And it happened again. I was like, hang on. This. <laughs> it's just Buddha, uh, you know, uh, being as tough as he is. Uh, but you now on the other count, yeah, like um, uh, Andrew Jarman played on him. Uh, Chris McDermott in Adelaide. I used to like playing against Chris. He was a, Really good at Adelaide, you know, South Australian footballer for a long time over there. And he, he was a hard nut too. And um, I used to like that challenge of playing him and Jamo. Um, very talented footballers. But uh, yeah, and then Dean Kemp, as you said, probably Harves used to get tagged by someone else. I couldn't run with Harves, he'd, he'd blow me out of the water. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, th- there was a number of tripping midfielders that went through. And yeah, it was Tony Shaw played against him a few times, and that was good
0: battle um yeah but no it was good it was good fun so yeah some good names there that's for sure hey broaders 2001 you finished up you, your last game was a prelim final um i think it might have been against the bombers did you just feel that was enough for you at the top level and obviously going out on your terms
1: yeah so i'd, I'd probably look i was coming the back end of my career at that point i'd probably the last year or two i'd gone from that midfield consistent role to being sort of off the interchange, making a, you know, playing an impact type of role, I suppose, whether that be midfield or possibly up forward. Um, so, you know, my time was coming probably to an end. So I, I felt 201 would be a nice way if I can go out on my own terms as such Um you know, you, you can sometimes hold on for too long and, and and you just injuries start to get you in form and um, you know, and just younger blokes coming through are suddenly a bit better than you. So you have to move out of the way. So luckily I was able to just hang in there for that last two oh one year and we got to the prelim and um, you know, it was it was a nice way to finish off. Um, again, I think we're a group that got the maximum out of ourselves at that time. We weren't we we couldn't beat the top two tier, which you know, we played Brizzy that uh, 2001 prelim up there, and that was the start of their first premiership of their three in a row. Um, you know, they had Voss and Akamanis and Black and Lynchy and, uh, you know, Mel Michaels and all this talent coming through. Um, incredible side. So uh, we did well. We held, held our fat for probably the first um, quarter, and then halfway through the second quarter, their engine got going, and that was just phenomenal to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And they just blew us out of the water, so um, we just couldn't go with them. But um, yeah, it was a good, good, good way to finish. You know, it's sad, but you know, good part about it, it was ironic because I'm I'm finishing my career, and Lynchy's got the opportunity to go to a first grand final appearance. So, and yet we we both left Fitzroy at the same time. We yeah. ended up playing against each other in my last game, um, and then I was wrapped for him to get the opportunity to play the next week in a granny, which they ended up winning. Um, but also, yeah, so it was it was, it was, was nice. My, you know, my wife and his wife were very good friends, so they were together at that moment as well at the game. So, uh, yeah, it was special memories. So.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Hey, mate, I'd love to chat with you. It's been great. I've got a couple of quick handballs for you, which I do with yep. all my guests. So I'm going to give you five names, and if you can share a, a word or a couple of words or a, or a short phrase just to describe some of these guys that you played on your footy journey. And I, I try to mix it up because I know I've already interviewed a few guys who've had connections with Fitzroy, so I always try to change the names up a little bit. Uh, yes. So the first one's going to be Johnny Blakey. <laughs> Fitness fanatic. What about the Doc, Darren Doc wilden Laconic. Jimmy Wind. Uh Good mentor. Now, I'm going to go to a couple of Richmond guys. Chrissy Naish. Clever, smart, skillful. And the last one, Wayne Campbell.
1: Wayne, or Sir Wayne, as he likes to be referred to. Um, the Lord of the Manor is another one he likes. So, uh, no, a good fellow of Campbell um, and a professional, true professional. Work
0: his butt off. Fantastic. Hey, mate, what's your favourite game or favourite memory from your time at the Lions or, or the Tigers?
1: Ooh, uh, I think. The Lions, there was a game um, against uh, Collingwood that we got up in the last, it was when Purdy had gone to Collingwood yep. and Rusey kicked the last goal of the game to get us over the line. Um, and then Ruzy came back to the centre of the ground and he, he, he was in the ruck. I don't know how the hell he ended up there in the ruck at the time, but I think it was just that chaotic because we just hit the front. Um, and he said, "What the hell do I do?" And we just said, "Look, just run, jump, and smash into him." And uh, I think it was ten seconds later the siren went, and we held on. But uh, that was a that was an amazing game um, to be part of, and uh, yeah, that was special. And then probably I think the '95 Richmond game where we got over the line against the Bombers um, in the semi was a you know that was pretty special. Maddie Knights kept us in the game in the first half with three goals, and then Scotty Turner knocked out. Gary O'Donnell, um, the fish, um, the fish, a big hip and shoulder on the wing. And we got momentum in the second half and we just, you know, blew them out of the water. And then we unfortunately played the cats the next week and they were too good for us and smashed us out
0: of Waverley. But uh, probably that game I think was a special one for the Tigers. Uh, So playing at two footy clubs, it would have been some great characters that you come across over your your journey. Maybe give us one of your favourite uh, characters from the Lions and one of your favourite characters from the Tigers. The um, one you might like, Yeah, you had a bit of fun with and it you know, might have you know, maybe got into a little bit of trouble without being anything too major, but <laughs> if you know what I mean, those sort of characters.
1: Oh, uh, Doc Wilden's the one that comes to mind for the line. So <laughs> Doc, you know, there's a story, I don't know if anyone's told the story that we're on a camp once up at Mount Buller, I think it was. And we had a few beers that night after a hard Saturday training session. And, um, you know, most had a couple and then went to bed. Uh, Doc, had a crack, and uh, we got up the next morning, 7 o'clock, and had to get a run, you know, in uh, that was the punishment for having a crack the night before, which was fine. We all knew it was coming, but uh, we couldn't find Doc.
0: Um,
1: so we, we had to take off and do the run, which was a half an hour, 45 minutes or whatever, in the hills, and the next time we get back, and here's Doc waiting for us when we got back. He, he'd been up in the loft to sleep, um, tucked himself up there, had a beautiful night's sleep. And here he is at brekky, coming down to meet us and go, G'day, fellas, how's it all going? So uh, Doc was a character, um, you know, amazing footballer, but also, yeah, he played pretty hard off the field at times. Um, but, uh, no, he, he was a really good bloke to be around with and had a lot of fun with Doc. Um, probably James Manson was another one at Fitzroy. So Jimmy, Jimmy loved his music. And uh, but, um, when, he, when he went in to play a game, he was... He was Fierce competitor, so uh, he was good to have on your side, Jimmy. So, And then Mark he was another one, um, you know, um, a bit of a character. Uh, and then Richmond days, you you probably got um, – I mean, Richo was a character in his own right just because he's, he was such a cult, like a amazing athleticism, and uh, he's a terrific bloke, Richo. Like what you see on the telly what what he is. He's a yep. really generous person. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was good um, – trying to think of the Tigers who was a bit of a character there. Paul Bullis was a bit of a, oh, yeah. a character So from South Australia. So Bully bully was – I don't think he ever trained pre-season as in out on the field and did about 400s and when we get flogged, he'd be in the gym doing his weights and riding the bike and doing his swimming and then all of a sudden we'd start the practice matches and Bully's out <laughs> ready to go. So uh, that happened a couple of years in a row. So he, he was not too keen on the pre-season side,
0: Bully. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah,
0: uh, good times. Hey, mate, do you still go to the footy? Do you go to a few games? I mean, obviously, you know, post, let's talk prior to COVID and stuff, do you get to the footy still a bit? I try and go to about
1: half a dozen games a year just to look at the tides and um, just just sit up in the outer and have a squeeze and uh, take the young blokes with me, two boys, or maybe just go myself sometimes, just have a look. Um, So it's more, uh, I probably don't go as much as I used to. Um, Yeah. I like sitting at home and watching on the tally at times. But, yeah, I do try and get to at least yeah four or five, six games a year just to see it live.
0: And what do you reckon about the Tigers' chances in 2022? Um, obviously, uh, you know, a healthier list in comparison to last year. They were probably a little bit uh, hamstrung by injuries. But, you know, obviously, I think they're going to be a bit of a force again this year.
1: Yeah, they looked good the other day against Hawthorne in the match matchdown in Lonnie. Yeah. Um, they just seemed to have that bit of spark about them back in, and their speed was very good. Uh, I think if they can stay healthy, their key key tier, they'll be they'll be in. They, I'm not saying they'll be top four, but I think they'll be probably pushing for the eight. I would think. Um, and then if they do get in there, you know, we don't know where they might end up. So it'll just depend on positioning of the ladder where they might finish, yeah. um, what chance they might have realistically. But um, I think they're better equipped this year than probably last year to have a go at it again. Um, yeah, but other teams are, you know, Melbourne have become a really—they've got an amazing outfit as well at the moment. So they, if they can stay healthy and hunger's there, they should be should be thereabouts again. And um, you know, there's your Brisbane are still hanging around there, um, so they should be fairly strong. It'll be interesting. So who comes in and out of the eight with the Sydney dropout? Um, whether a Carlton might pop in, um, you know, they're a developing side. The Sainers, like for their supporters, would be nice for them to get another crack at the finals. Um, it's been a long time for them as a club um, have success. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a close year again, though. I think it's – and it seems to be the top tier or cement themselves. Catters should be up there again, I think. They should have a good enough list. Um, but then that sort of fifth through to twelfth level, it, it can be quite a number of teams. Yeah, I think so. Even 14 now. It's probably getting a bit longer the bottom end. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. going to be good. Hey, brothers. really appreciate your time, mate. I could speak, you know, for hours with your uh, all <laughs> footy, but uh, really appreciate you sharing uh, some of your memories and, and uh, recollections from uh, your time at the Lions and the uh, Tigers. So thanks for joining us on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. No, you're welcome, Ellie. Thank you very much. That's the end of episode number 24. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear from. Next week, we catch up with a former cat with a Western Australian background. Tough, it's rugged,
1: it's good, solid, IMO football.